welcome back to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is about thor love and thunder joining us today she has left judaism to worship at the altar of the god of dumplings it's marvel correspondent maya maya what's going on i am a worshiper of the ga- the bow god and yes indeed it is true the rumors are true <laughs> Um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of quick, uh, funny throwaway jokes in this movie, and you wouldn't really expect anything less from Taika Waititi. But you know, not all fun and games, because this movie starts with a child dying. <laughs> Thor, Thor: Love and Thunder is uh, it picks up. It is like in a desert. We see a see a guy named Gore just dying a dying a thirst, and uh, his daughter is uh, his daughter is also dying in his arms. And after he dies, he kind of finds himself on the precipice of an oasis where he sees this god that he's always worshipped and wants him to make it better, let him see salvation, and the, the God just doesn't care about him. And he ends up, you know, uh, coming into or coming into the possession of the Necro Sword, a sword that can just kill gods. And he decides to kill his his God and then kill all the other gods because he thinks they're worthless and they don't do anything. And, you know, a lot of the plot of this movie doesn't really disabuse us of that notion. We, we Then we jump back and we see Thor. He's hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy where we left him at the end of Endgame. And he all of a sudden gets word of Gore the God Butcher going around killing all the gods and that, uh, new Asgard might be one of his next targets, so he has to descend upon there, where his old ex-girlfriend Jane has found herself after uh, getting a stage four cancer diagnosis. She get, ends up getting there, summoned there by uh, Thor's old hammer Mjolnir, who we saw destroyed by Hela in Thor Ragnarok. And Mjolnir, through ways we'll talk about, has now you know has this connection to Jane, and uh, she's able to she's able to wield it in her own version of uh, of Thor. And though you know it comes at maybe a uh, a, a bit a bit of a cost. Wait, did, did I did I did is there isn't there another name they gave her Maya? Um, the Mighty Thor. Yes, oh, the yeah, Mighty yeah. Thor. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So she's able to wield Mjolnir, and she becomes uh, Mighty Thor. Thor Thor ends up coming upon Mighty Jane after uh, Gore is attacking New Asgard, and uh, all of a sudden they have to kind of team up to you know defeat him and. Uh, with, with, with the help of Valkyrie and Korg and all the other characters we uh, know and love. Uh, Maya, we're, we're, we're recording this a couple weeks after because uh, because we had some uh, health and safety protocols you and I had to deal with uh, to make this happen. And so I think you, you came at this from a very uh, different perspective than me because I think uh, you are just better at avoiding the uh, avoiding the spoilers you're not as online as i am and i so i i have been like taking it while we were coordinating this i've been taking in all this media about it and seeing all the different reviews and stuff and i think you're able to kind of go in a little more fresh and maybe not get as caught up in the whirlwind of all the takes of this movie and you know it's been a pretty uh a, a pretty tempered reaction to this and sparked a lot of dialogue about the mcu so as someone that didn't actually come in with any of these preconceived notions, maybe like I did, because you're better at staying offline, though, has maybe now read a lot of them since it took us a while to uh, get to where we're recording this. I'm kind of wondering, uh, you re- as someone that was able to go in fresh, did you did you feel like this uh, this movie kind of uh, stood up in terms of quality to what you've kind of come to expect from the Thor franchise? And if not, why? So in terms of quality, I'm going to say I have a mixed response to it because I really did enjoy Thor Ragnarok, but make no mistake, the second Thor movie was pretty terrible. So anything better than that was going to be something that I was going to enjoy. Sure. Um, and I'm I'm a fan of Taika Waititi. I think that he's incredibly talented. I the one thing that I did see about this movie before I was able to see it, which was you know as of today's recording was yesterday for me. 
Um, hey, so I, was, I, I, I was trying to be vague about who was in the health and safety protocol. So you're, you're disclosing oh, your own health information. There. <laughs> I, was, I was the one who was uh, willfully quarantining because um, thank you, COVID, and thank you, Tampa, Florida. So, um, but but when we when I went to, to see it, the only thing I knew about this movie is what the rating was on Rotten Tomatoes and that people were saying that the movie was Taika Waititi being full of himself. And my response to that is, have have you met the guy? Because that's just not that wild of a um, of a claim to make. Of course, he's going to be full of himself. This is, uh, you know, his his major franchise. One of the the defining factors of him being as famous as he is, because he was able to make Ragnarok just the the ball of fun that it was of course they're going to try and take it to 11 you know it's it's in the nature of this sort of a movie but i'll tell you i wasn't disappointed i i mm. do i think that it, it could have been better sure does every single marvel movie have to be great no but i i do see what people were saying in terms of the criticism that some of the comedy was sort of trying too hard and it fell a little flat. And I, um, all I'm saying is I hope that that doesn't, uh, you know, make Taika Waititi a little bit, you know, timid about uh, doing these sorts of movies again. I think that he's got a real knack for it. I just think that this wasn't his best movie ever. God forbid. Yeah. Well, let me, let me take a slight detour and ask you how you're, how are you feeling about the state of uh, the Disney plus Marvel TV shows? The Disney Plus and Marvel TV shows are so packed with power and and plot and storyline that and I and I saw something that somebody said and I can't for the life of me remember who, but the fact of the matter is Marvel shows, Marvel comics, Marvel characters are not somebody that everybody should be loving because that defeats the purpose of having the originality of some of these characters. You're supposed to relate to the ones that you relate to. And if you don't relate to them, it doesn't mean that somebody else will. That being said, I felt that the the storylines that they have brought to these shows are, in my opinion, the crowning achievement of Phase 4. We're going to we're going to leave um, into the Spider Verse aside because come on. But other than that, you know, Phase Four has just been a little bit flat for me. Well, Spider Verse isn't Phase Four. That came out even before Endgame. Sorry, I completely misspoke. Can I can I rewind a little bit? Sure. So that completely <laughs> that that completely leaves No Way Home out of it because uh, No Way okay. Home to me was the best part of Phase Four. Mm-hmm. Every other movie in Phase Four so far has kind of fallen a little flat. You know my commentary about Doctor Strange, it was just okay. Thor was a little bit better than just okay. Not all of these have to be great. But every single Marvel TV show that I have seen that has come out has been great. And I'm really, really proud of the storylines that they're bringing. They don't have to all interconnect with the greater MCU. They don't have to all interconnect with your favorite character. Somebody brings Shang-Chi back, but other than that, you know, I'm really happy with what they've been doing. Yeah, I I guess I asked you about the TV specifically because I feel like some of the criticism I've seen in the wake of Love and Thunder has been about how people feel like it's getting watered down a little bit by the shows. And I don't even think I'm as high on the shows as you are, but I still disagree with that assertion. They, I'm fine with like where these, where those shows have taken place. And I, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm happy to let myself think about how they might tie into the movies, but I'm not like, Oh, I'm enjoying the movies less because I'm having to watch all these shows. I, and I mean, I, I was 
fairly, I'd say, mixed on Moon Knight and uh, and Miss Marvel and. And I, I don't even know if I I don't even know if I liked Loki and WandaVision as much as other people did. I, I, I and I'd say, but like at the same time, it's like I, I could enjoy parts of them and they are what they are. I am maybe mixed on Love and Thunder, but I, I feel like it's just for like very different reasons than everyone else. I think some people are like, oh, it's Marvel Overload. I don't know what the direction of phase four is, which I, I mean, understandable. And, you know, everyone, it was very clear for a long time what the previous phases were leading up to with uh, with Thanos and all that. Um I just think like, you know, not every, like, I, I'm kind of where you are, I think. And it's like, not every Taika Waititi movie, I guess, is going to be like an A plus or something. You know, right. I, I think I, I think I might like Jojo Rabbit more than uh, your average film critic. Um, Jojo and, Rabbit was a masterpiece. And well, some people really don't like it, though. That's a whole other discussion. But like, I really like it. And I really, really love uh, what we do in the shadows and Hunt for the Water People and Ragnarok. So it's like, you know, it's like he's there's just such a high standard for him that I feel like it's inevitable that like, hey, not everything is going to be exactly at that level, which is, which is fine, though, I just felt like, you know, maybe I saw some things here that like, just, I personally like, wasn't as high on. And uh, whether it be uh, the editing, this movie notably is two hours long, which I think it had apparently he had some kind of mandate to make it two hours, which is unusual for a Marvel movie. But I feel like you can kind of feel where certain things had to be cut out, maybe. And that kind of bothered me. And I actually think that, um, I don't want to say it's bad. I am and like, even the people that are big critics of it are like really, really big on Christian Bale's performances gore. And I, and I, I don't actually know if I have a problem with the performance as so much as I just don't think it's my favorite kind of villain, which I think only it might hold the movie back to a certain extent. I think, you know, I'm a little different from people in that. Like, I don't know if I love Loki as much as everyone else in that, like, yeah, it's a very charismatic and fun performance from Tom Hiddleston, but you can only get me to care so much about a like a guy that like has died three times and like killed a bunch of people. Like at a certain point, I just feel like it kind of lost the thread on like why we should care that much about Loki or be that invested in him. Whereas like with Gore, it's like I clearly get his motivations and I find his motivations very compelling. But someone that's like that just dark and like gloomy just doesn't do as much for me on a villain, even compared to someone like Killmonger, who is just like, you know, much more lively and charismatic in a certain way. I, I don't want to say there's not charisma to Christian Bale's performance, but it's just like so, so like dark and uh, self-serious in a way that like I harder for me to like totally be engaged by throughout even if it led to some really colorful set pieces and some very thought-provoking storytelling so it's just like when you come away like that conflicted on it and combined with the fact that i don't know if i just i didn't laugh quite as much as i did at ragnarok again no real shame in that but like probably just not as many laugh out loud funny moments for me and all so i that kind of like sums up where i'm kind of like coming at it from as far as like why i might not be as high on it but at the same time it's like it was never like i I I, 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 it's clearly a cut above like Black Widow and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for me. So it's probably like in the middle of Phase Four. I consider like Shang Chi and No Way Home probably a little better. Um, Shang Chi is actually my favorite of all these because we, we don't have to revisit the No Way Home pod. But like I had some serious issues with some of the other things in that movie, even if it's just like still like a lot more fun I'd say than like some of the other Phase Four stuff. So I don't know. I just think like. Again, overall, really good movie. Had a lot of charming stuff, and I like a lot of these characters in some very visually inspired set pieces, but just 
other things there that like, I just don't think it executed as well. And I just hold Taika to an incredibly high standard, you know? So, and, and, and I'll, I'll agree on some respects in that, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to hold this movie to as high of a standard, but I do think that Gore was a very good villain, if anything, to bring the noir filmmaking style into this movie as just something that was very stylistic. Yeah, the fight in the Shadow Realm was incredible, I, 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 I of course. It was fantastic, but I also really enjoyed Christian Bale's gore. I was mm. petrified by him. Yeah. I really was. I mean, like, I, I don't think that there has been one villain since Thanos that has really, like, shaken me to my core, but Christian Bale's gore did. And if, if it was just for me, his his way of acting and his way of just putting himself into any character he's ever done. It's one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest actor of our generation. I mean, this gave me a, a lot of Patrick Bateman vibes in some respects. I mean, he was absolutely unhinged in this movie and I loved every single minute of it. Well, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I, it's funny, it's funny to think about it. It just is, uh, Christian Bale being somewhat of a method actor, it'd be a very weird one to go uh, method for it to whatever extent you can go method when you're playing Gore the God Butcher, but uh, had to have been an odd thing to be around him on set because he certainly got like very into the character. And uh, I mean, again, like I think Ragnarok was like super fun. Uh, I guess, you know, Hell was a villain that like, you know, felt wrong by uh, Odin and that was enough motivation there. You kind of got where he was coming from and here you get what he's coming from. And it's like, it, it kind of like, you can make of it what you will with respect to Gore. And I really like that. And, you know, it's like, could it just be that he's just like upset with like, you know, just a ruling class in general and a certain group of elites or, um, you know, and just how it's like, look, look, the, the, the richest, the most powerful, the wealthy, they don't look out for the common folk like him. And, you know, you can, that can be said of certain aspects of the real world. Or is he even, is he even saying something about religion and what good does like, you know, praying to gods do if like, you know, bad things are going to happen to the innocent or stuff like that. Like there's a lot of interesting questions he raises. And I enjoyed thinking about that. I just think I differed a little bit from you. And it's like, I, there's like a ceiling for me as, as to like how much I'm going to enjoy someone that's just like, uh, has that demeanor, I suppose, as a but villain. But here's the thing is that Gore is, Gore's motivation is no different than the motivation of, I mean, you mentioned it before, Killmonger. You mm -hmm. know, you have a situation where you have somebody who's sitting atop a pedestal, they look down upon you, they kill the ones you love, and all you're looking is for what you're doing, what you're owed. Right. So we find out in the third act of this movie that Gore's entire purpose is to go to eternity so he can make a wish. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't know this until the end of the movie. And we also don't know the motivation of Killmonger until the third act of the movie. We know why he's doing what he's doing. But the rest of the, the audience, not the audience, sorry, the rest of um, of Wakanda ends up finding out in the third act of the movie what he's up to. So when you're, you're put into the perspective of looking at this kind of a character, you actually do relate in so many respects to the villain. Who among us wouldn't have the same, you know, reaction as Gore when something like that happens? You know, you spend your entire life worshiping somebody who at the moment that you actually meet them and you think that everything that you've been hoping for um is what you're going to get and they just spit in your face i mean it's it's absolutely um you know a, it's a story that's worth telling and i think that it made the motivation of this villain very very believable and very you know enticing that being said the script alone having its faults and having a lot of that weakness 
didn't tell this story as well as it could have been told. I feel like a lot of this movie is kind of wanting it to be more than it actually was and like looking into it in the hopes that that's kind of the intention of it, but it wasn't necessarily expressly stated. Um, and, and something else that I really wanted to point out as well is, uh, you know, some of the other characters that they brought in, newer characters like Zeus that are obviously going to be used in the future. Um, I thought that they spent so much of the energy of the script probably focusing on those comedic scenes that a lot of what led up to it was a little bit kind of disjointed. Like, oh, let's just take the the clothing of a god and no one's going to recognize us that's going to work perfectly you're you're just kind of setting up for the comedic moments and that's just lazy writing um you know everything has to connect in a way where it just doesn't lend itself to um you know just trying to do a build up for other momentous scenes in this movie which i do feel like a lot of this was like if you sort of cut this into a really extended trailer, it would have been as good as actually watching the movie itself. Does that make sense? Well, I would, I would, I would say that, that like, I mean, I think I, I mean, again, all credit to when a movie can like be feel complete in two hours and not need to be as long as certain MCU movies. But I would say like, especially with something when, when Taika Waititi's involved stuff that might be considered filler is maybe some of the best stuff, uh, you know, because he can have like, you know, fun asides and jokes and stuff like that. But yeah, they just fell a little flat to me. I just, I personally feel that like they fell a little flat. But it, it's not, not to say that the movie wasn't enjoyable. I just wish that they had packed more in there in some way, like, or just made the plot line a little bit stronger. Well, yeah. Well, I'm saying I, you could have had more stuff in there. We didn't, we haven't talked about the, I haven't talked too much about the, the Jane stuff yet, but like, I, I, I would say that felt like it was missing some stuff for me in that, like, so Jane ends up getting called to New Asgard by Mjolnir and, then all of a sudden Thor shows up during that battle and she's just there. And I'm fine with us just kind of accepting that like Jane is a badass when she wields it. I didn't need a long training sequence or anything like that or anything like that. But I, I also, because I, I really like Tessa Thompson. I think Valkyrie is a lot of fun in this movie when she's given stuff to do. I'm like, I could have had more of like a seeing Jane come to uh, seeing Jane kind of come to terms with like where she's at at that point and what role Valkyrie plays in that. Because you know, it's like, it feels like they jump around in that part of the movie a little bit. And like, all of a sudden it's just like, uh, Valerie, Valkyrie makes the comment to Thor, like, Oh, that, that guy, you're going to love that guy or something like that. So, and we know it's been about, I think it's at some point made clear that maybe it's been about six months or something like that, that she's been there. I don't think it's ever really expressly stated actually. Like I, it, I try oh, to maybe, figure it out. Okay. Maybe, maybe the time period's not, but it's implied that like, she's been there for some time at least because valkyrie knows her and they have some kind of relationship based on when valkyrie comes to her door valkyrie knows about the cancer probably a little bit um i disagree i feel like it's been a day or day and a half that's why i like it was just so not no 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 because no, they, they they made comments there was a comment discussion she had with thor where there was like there was like she was like, when it came to her trying to figure out like her catchphrase there's her saying like again you're gonna like that guy like she has some level of familiarity with her it seems like like it seems like jane has been there for at least some time while thor has been gone i don't know how long maybe i mean it's i want to say it's at least enough time for valkyrie to know what's going on with her and that who she is and why she's able to wield that thing and what's doing to her i think valkyrie has at least that much level of familiarity and i would have liked to have seen them actually meet and hang out some or something like that beyond what we get like i thought that would have made that her part the jane story even stronger even if like i thought some of that was like really well acted and moving 
I thought I thought I was well acted in moving. I, like I said, I'm not 100 percent sure because I actually remember trying to figure out how long mm. she's been there and looking for context clues because mm. it seemed a little bit disjointed to me. I'm just like, okay, so so all of a sudden she's the mighty Thor. Where did this happen? When did this happen? And then um, it just it for me felt like she just got there and it you know Mjolnir just called to her and then she just started you know acting on those instincts. But the reason also why I personally wanted some more of that um, back and forth as well is because I just really liked their dynamic. I just I wanted to see more of it. Um, the the one thing I will say about the Jane Foster um, plot line um, beyond, beyond the, like the name puns, which I was a very big fan of, that was that was clever writing. Good job, Taika mm-hmm. ATT. Um, but beyond the the Jane Foster, um, you know, becoming the Mighty Thor um, plot line, what I really hated was they they pulled a How I Met Your Mother on us. That they finally bring her back. We've been looking forward to it. And they just kill her off. And then she goes to Valhalla. Just that's sorry, spoiler alert. It's a couple weeks after. Come on. But I was really upset that they that they didn't bring her back because I would have wanted to see a standalone movie with I thought she was so dynamic. So I mean, like she she was very, very fun to watch. She she really like she she prepared for that role. She looked ripped. So did he, by the way. They just both did a fantastic job leading up to it. But I, well, I mean, I, I think there's some. C- it's probably a, l- a bit more CGI involved for Natalie Portman in making uh, uh, um, Mighty Thor look as big as she does. Like, yeah, um, no, she had some guns. There's some definition there. If you look at the red carpet photos, she is built. She is okay, cut. I am listen. This is my Israeli sister over here. I'm very proud of her. <laughs> um, and she she went to the same camp as me, by the way. Also, so this is like I was very very happy to see her just like show up and just be a fucking rock star. Sorry for the cursing, but um, but but what really upset me was I love this character so much. I'm like, oh, this is such a great female character that, that she's just like accidentally herself. And then they just kill her off, man. They're, they're right in the, the plot line that just like makes me want to, you know, be upset. Obviously, to lead into something really great and really endearing. And I understand what they were getting at, that she was like, you know, a, a thematic device used for him to be able to, you know, he's loved someone and then he can love himself. And now he can, you know, love another and take care of their child. I just, uh, I get it, but come on. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I got you. I mean... Let me let me back up for a second. I, I thought I, I thought the editing was maybe like a little choppy there at the beginning of uh Jane yeah. getting the Asgard, but like uh in that you, you kind of agreed that you wanted to see a little more of that relationship there. But overall, what what did you think of like uh what what did you just think in general of like Jane being back and like how that and just how they worked her in and like and how they told that story. Cause I mean, I think a lot of people are still pra- are praising the, the little flashback to seeing what we did never, what we were never privy to in their relationship. Um, and it's just kind of a big deal. Cause like what dark world came out in like what, 2013 maybe. Uh, so yeah. I think, yeah. So I, I, Natalie Portman's been gone uh, from the, f- from the MCU, aside from that little weird, uh, character, that little weird cameo in, uh, yeah, Third of Dark World was 2013, so nine years, aside from that little cameo in Endgame, he hadn't been around for nine years, so it was kind of a big deal that they got her to come, Taika got her to come back and do this, uh, what, what did you ultimately think of just, like, how they integrated her back in, and, uh, did you find it satisfying? No, mostly really? because they just bring her back in order to kill her off, 
Um, but wait, I didn't wait, wait, get what it. if I told you that that was the only condition on which Natalie Portman, Portman would come back? If she was Fine, like, it was like, it was like Harrison Thord coming back to Star Wars, like I'll do it one last time if you kill me off, you know? I get it. I get it. Like I understand it. That was part of her contract, you know. Fuck you for doing it, but like I, I understand. But at the same time, like it, for me, it was just so unsatisfying because I really, really enjoyed her character. Um, but yes, I, I, I did for, for the, for the fact that they brought in that flashback scene i was like finally finally they give us that that little tie-in that we really needed and and they did it in a very you know light-hearted way of course but i just really am proud of jane foster for breaking up with thor that that takes some guts girl you know breaking up with the god good for you god who uh looks like Chris Hemsworth, as opposed to this version of Zeus that we get in this world. Uh, um, he, he looks like Chris Hemsworth ate Chris Hemsworth. I mean, he was he was big in this movie. Like he really, really worked his ass off, man. That moment where he takes off like the little like I don't know uh, the smock that he's wearing. I have no idea what he was wearing, but at the beginning of the movie, he just takes it off and he is just cut. I was just like, I gasped audibly. <laughs> next to my fiance because it was that impressive <laughs> um but i just i i i wanted more of the two of them together oh. i was really enjoying it i i let me ask you yes well, let me ask you as i mean you know if you just accept that like they had to do that they had to do it like this because of uh natalie natalie portman having other things to do in her life besides just marry herself to the mcu indefinitely um I mean, Thor's already in like kind of a rough place. And I mean, I can, we can have a separate discussion a little later. I mean, you want about like, if you wanted the guardians use utilized a little bit differently, but you know, if, if nothing else, like he's clearly not in the best place with them. I, we, we maybe thought that he was going to like kind of find himself again and be kind of happy. And he's just like off kind of questioning his own existence, helping them win a battle when he feels like it, but kind of very aimless and a guy who's already suffered a lot of loss in his life. They've talked about, they talk, they reference it in the movie, you know, lost his mom, lost his dad, lost his brother three times. Um, you know, and uh, put himself through the ringer after he couldn't, after he didn't kill Thanos in time. And we see him at the end of, uh, at the beginning of Endgame and all that. Like, guy's really gone through it. And I'm sure we would like to see another uh, Taika Waititi led Thor movie uh, where it's even on the level of Ragnarok in the future. There's probably going to be another one. We know Thor's at least returning based on the final title card. Do you think they've, it's like by just bringing Jane back just to kill her, they're like, it's going to like, it's like going to, I mean, it sh it's, it's, it's almost like it should send Thor into too dark of a place, a dark place that they're not going to really want to send him because they're going to want these movies to be fun. You see what I'm saying with like how much loss he has suffered and faced? And we saw him, you know, we saw him talking with Rocket about that in Endgame. He's really been through it. And then they just bring it back to love is like the killer. It's like, how do you like incredibly make Thor happy again at this point, you know? Well, you'd give him a daughter and make him a single dad. That's exactly how you do it. That's a good point. Yeah. You're, you're, so you're excited for Thor girl dad? I mean, I'm excited that it's his actual daughter playing mm -hmm. his daughter. I think that that's the, the, the second best casting of that movie. It really is the second best casting of that movie. And you know what number one is for me already. We're not uh, even going to say it yet, but we're going to say it at the end. Okay, sure, sure. We'll, 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 we'll spill the last scene right now, but not the, not the post-credits It scene. deserves its own podcast. That's how good it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I... I mean, God, one thing I did like about Thor in this movie, though, uh, 
regardless of how dark of a place Jane's death would actually push him to, I was impressed with like how he was written in that it was like, he was more like mad at Mjolnir and that's another, the, the whole Mjolnir Stormbreaker love triangle, hilarious. Uh, but- the fact that they're sentient, the fact that they have feelings. I'm so happy by the fact that they did this. I don't know why they did it. Maybe it's because Taika Waititi is a genius or really stoned writing this, but it was genius. But I, I like that he's more mad at Mjolnir than he is at, at Jane. Like, there's, like, some version of this where the guy just gets mad at the girl and, like, way too overprotective. He has thousands and- of years of, or a thousand years of relationship with Mjolnir. He has, like, what, eight with Jane and his terms three for her because she was blipped. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, I, I, more, more, more just kind of, like, you know, he's not, like, too overprotective. Like, you can't, up until the point where it's, like, if you do this, you will die. He's, like... He's not, he's not like, you know, condescending or angry or necessarily like, uh, too like pushy around her. He's just like, he just kind of accepts it. Like, all right, you can be a badass now. We can go fight together. And that's kind of it. So I like that. And then even at the end, he doesn't even stop her from doing it. He's like, well, it's your choice. And she ends up taking it upon herself. He doesn't like take the choice out of her hands. So I like that Thor like wasn't like too controlling. And I like the way he, and, and I, I just appreciated the way he uh, he approached Jane throughout the movie, even when it like was clear that she might make a self-destructive choice. He's like, you know what? You do you. You can make your own decisions. And I and I did like that, even if it's just like, man, it's kind of sad that like, you know, they found some other way to give this character a new side of herself. And and then it's all it's all of one movie. You know, it's it, so well, that part of it's sad, even if I did kind of like the relationship in the movie. Well, well, to be fair, you know, she she is an impressive person. She's a doctor i mean she's dr jane foster you know she's an astrophysics genius and you know thor as you know esteemed as he is is just you know somebody who has magic powers she actually has powers you know he was just bestowed it so i think that he recognizes that about her and and and, you know watching this movie and watching you know a female protagonist like that um and watching her her partner really value her is, is something really to see it, it is one of the reasons why I was very sad to see that their relationship didn't have a chance to fully form I would have really liked to see that that sort of dynamic we don't really have that on screen right now we have you know very disjointed and broken relationships nothing that has really um you know been able to last because you mean you, know, you, mean, Feige, you mean you just mean it you just mean romance in the MCU in general romance in the MCU as a whole Kevin Feige has something against romance and I don't know why but I'm going to find out eventually um, because every single time somebody finally finds love, it's taken away from them. So yeah, um, I is just really, is I, it really not a happy couple in the MCU? Think about it. I'll wait. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Who knows if he had stuck around? It seemed like he might have found exactly. happiness at the end of Black Panther. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, straight, straight, straight up, uh, uh, um, MJ has Peter erased in her mind. So exactly. that's not happening. That's going to take a while for them to come back together. Um, I don't know if Hawkeye knows that his wife is an agent, so we'll find that one out. Oh, I thought, I thought he, I thought we kind of, I thought it was implied that he kind of knew that. Um, but I don't regardless. know if it was necessarily implied that he knew that she was still involved with it. I think that that's definitely how they met, but I don't know if he but, knows. But, but also that's, a, that's like a romance that happened off screen in the first place too. Exactly. As far as like people that came together on screen and stay together, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, again, like you kind of like, they kind of cheated on the cat Peggy thing. Exactly. Um, Com- yeah, Kamala Khan and Kamran are not a thing right now. 
God, yeah, I, 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 I guess you're, I, I guess you're, I guess you're right, man. Uh, Loki yeah, and himself, Peter you know, lost his dead. Yeah, God, Loki and himself, like that. That's like the Loki second best himself. thing going right now. And I was um, gonna say Drax and Mantis, but even that's not really like that, you know. Great, Groot and Rocket. Something's gonna happen to Rocket, so that's gonna break up. I'm telling you, if you really, really think about it, there is no lasting relationship right now in the. See you. I'll think about it, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Well, Korg found love, so let's hope that lasts. Korg um, did find love. Wait, was his <laughs> name Dwayne? Yeah, Dwayne the Rock. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, held hands over, that? held hands over the lava. It was really steamy. Um, oh my God, I got a I hope that there's a Korg baby. And, and even they even like gave Valkyrie like a sad backstory in this movie. And that was something that a lot of people have criticized the movie for a little bit. Is that I'm, like, I'm sorry, that, you, you need to address Valkyrie correctly. It's King Valkyrie. Thank you very well, much. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, at some point, I don't know if it was Comic-Con or when they first announced the movie, but they asked her about like, is she going to have a love interest? You know, Tessa Thomas, Tessa Thompson is bisexual. And some people like, you know, uh, I, I think like to talk about how, they got those vibes from her in Ragnarok. And then she even said at one of the panels about the, from this movie, like well, every king needs a queen. So everyone got really excited and thought she was going to have a real love interest. And instead it's like, we just talk about the one she had that died. She didn't even really get the final love. We, we hear a lot about how she's single and sad and just drowning her sorrows in alcohol. And, um, you know, like we don't really get to see her actually like find love. We just hear about another person that had a broken heart. So I think your point is very well taken. That was a fun digression, which I didn't really get anywhere with because I just proved you right by trying to find a, another happy couple. <laughs> um, I think we already kind of mentioned the fight on the shadow realm a little bit in this. And I think, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like I think some of the pessimists in this, with respect to this movie are, have been criticizing Marvel's VFX some, um, you know, I think, uh, like, I think Multiverse of Madness was kind of mixed in that regard. And I think this is kind of the same in that, like, there's like a, a one, two or three, you know, like really, really cool visual sequences and every, a lot of other stuff you can take or leave. We talked about that Shadow Realm fight sequence. Uh, I guess we can, I guess we can jump to talking about like the, the like the, the final uh, fight sequence where uh, Thor is able to transfer his powers to the kids uh, temporarily. Uh, is that a power you were aware that Thor possessed? Uh, was he was he able to do that? I, at first, I thought after I saw it the first time, I thought maybe he was able to do it because of Zeus's lightning bolt. But he doesn't actually use it in that moment. It seems like he's just able to kind of like do it. It's like I did not know that was a power Thor had, but I don't really want to think about it too much because I had a lot of fun watching those kids fight. Uh, how did you? What did you think about the execution of like that final sequence? So I, I do vaguely remember. I'll have to look back, but I do vaguely remember a moment where he whispers to Mjolnir, and he said, "He who so happens to you know wield this, you know, has the power of Thor." Like I, I vaguely remember that somewhere. I just don't know where um, or when. But um, the the what he ends up doing, the fact that they they the kids end up uh, saving the day is very for me it was very reminiscent of Spy Kids. I don't know why, but it was. And uh, it was it was a very fun little uh, little sequence that they had. Um, I I have no notes, honestly. I thought it was just fun. It's nice to involve the kids, you know, rise up Gen Z, whatever. But I, I don't know. I thought it was fun. That, that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, I, I feel like the absurdity of it even struck me a little more on the second viewing. And I was like, well, Taika, this is really deranged. I, I respect that you kind of went here at this movie and like watch, watch these kids doing crazy stuff. I heard somewhere that like uh, not only uh, I mean, I think that uh, Natalie Portman and Taika Waititi's kids were like within those kids within that kid group as far as like, oh, that'd you know, be deputizing, deputizing actors to be in it. I, that's what I heard. Uh, don't don't in actually my know head. what you said. 
My my little like my my head canon was that Taika Waititi loved filming Jojo Rabbit so much that he needed to have like an angry kid sequence in this movie somewhere. So he wrote it in. That that is to me my little head canon. I mean, maybe it, it, it makes it hard if you have like a lot of kids on set and stuff with with you know all the the child labor laws and stuff like I, that. So yes, but to it's just more about how long they're allowed to be on set and there's like restrictions there, but. Um, I, I very much, uh, think that some child actors that I've been in the past are more professional than some of the adult actors that they'd have to wrangle. So, uh, I don't know if, I don't know about your argument there, Josh. I think that those kids would probably be really, really well behaved. Who, who am I to say? Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so basically, I, I, I mean, we talked about Gore's like motivations and stuff a little bit. And I mean, you know, they end up at that part of the movie and I think like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's like again. The kids were a distraction to uh, to like get Thor there, so he could uh, steal Stormbreaker, open the open the gates to eternity, and he ends up there. And you know, I think there is a pretty it, it is a pretty moving moment at the end when like you know when when Thor appeals to him and promises to like take care of love, and he you know kind of completes the whole process of bringing her back to life, and then and then he's gone, and that's that. I mean, I again, like I said, I I think he it's it was a nice way to redeem a villain in such in so much as like you know sometimes i think like we they try and they try and like like or even like it it didn't rub me the way the end of uh the end of multiverse of madness did let me just say that like you know even though maybe i think one thing one fair criticism movie is like when you hear there's gonna be a character called gore the god butcher played by christian bale you might see you might think you're gonna see him butchering more gods than we actually did uh we just just as like a fun different thing to kind of see we saw like, you know, the, when Thor gets that distress signal, you kind of, there's like a little bit of a, um, just like kind of a, a, a graphic, but that's about it. At the, at, at the same time, at the, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you, you, you might not get him like, I don't know, doing all of that stuff. I guess my point being like, because he was just doing that murdering off screen, maybe it was easier for me to accept him doing something redeemable. Whereas it's like the end of Multiverse of Madness, I'm like, wow, Wanda's done a bunch of messed up shit and like, between WandaVision and uh, in the first half of Multiverse of Madness. I just, I can't get behind her here. And to Love and Thunder's credit, like I actually kind of like understood where they got with him at the end. His uh, motivations were pretty clear and I understood why he was as disaffected as he was. And at the same time, like I thought they just kind of set him up well enough that I kind of like bought like, all right, like we can like feel something for him in somewhat of a positive way and respect the choice he just did was consistent with what came before it. So again, like, while I might not have been as engaged with Gore as a villain as I wanted to be, I thought the storytelling was actually still pretty good with respect to his corner of the movie. How did you like the, how did you like the note that this movie went out on uh, end credit scene accepted? Save that the way that this went out. I like the way that it went out. I understand that they're leading up to like young Avengers and, you know, all, all these different movies that they're going to be doing in the future. And, you know, wanting uh, love to be a very big part of that. I love, I, I personally uh, think that Dad Thor is the exact uh, role that should be uh, part of the Thor franchise because if we're continuing with the theme with Thor, which is, you know, things that millennial women love, you know, we're moving on to the next best thing. So, hey, I think that they're just trying to like help us sister out and watching this movie. That's my, that's always been my two cents watching the Thor movies is that they just want to do whatever like the millennial, like average straight millennial woman wants. That's what personally what I believe. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if, if, if you're telling me you succeeded, then they, if you're telling me they succeeded in that regard, who am I to, uh, who am I to question that? 
Uh, let's back up Even for a minute. Even the Thor movies that I hate, I don't hate that much, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's Thor. I mean, he's dark, dark world. Dark Dark World is a low point for the MCU, in my opinion. But I, I mean, it was an awful movie. But at the same time, he still was pretty great. He was a mother's boy. He just loved his mom the entire time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, um, sure. Uh, <laughs> did, did, how did you ultimately feel about what you got from the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie? Did you want them to be in it more, or did you? Were you fine? I feel like there was so much like lead into it that they ended up realizing that they can't make it all work. So they're like, all right, how do we backtrack a little bit? Because they kind of, they set him up there. Um, And just, you know, Thor being like the awkward friend that nobody really wants to hang out with is a little, uh, I don't don't know why they they had so much like build up to that just to tear it down. But hey, whatever. I guess it's going to lead up to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where they end up meeting with Adam. So who knows um but i eh, i could take it or leave it i if it worked for them stylistically it worked for them stylistically yeah we have less than a year till guardians 3 so like you know which is cool we're not gonna have to wait too long i guess to like see what's up there uh i but i, I did kind of like the way it had been pitched i was just like are they really gonna have those people for i if you don't it just seems weird to get them to show up to do as little as they did but like at the same time i don't exactly know how you would have you know, kept them in for more of the movie without then feeling like you're shortchanging other characters more than they already were. Like I said, I could have used more Valkyrie, but like, you know, more, more guardians are, is, is that is probably going to take away from something else. If they, well, is- well, don't forget there's a guardians of the galaxy holiday special that's happening at the end of this year. So that's probably one of the reasons why as well. Um, okay. So I, I do have a feeling that there, there's just something that they're going to be doing there. That's, you know, that ties into it. Um, but who knows? I, I mean, that's, I, I think basically my, my theories is that in the back end, in the writer's room, people just try and like mess with each other because there's so many people who are writing scripts simultaneously that you just want to maybe, uh, you know, prank somebody every once in a while. Like you have to give them something that they just must work with. So I think in this case was giving Taika Waititi like, all right, Guardians of the Galaxy are with you. Do something with that. Um, and make it work for James Gunn too. I, if if I were Kevin Feige, that's exactly what I would do with my power. I'd be like, all right, here's the prompt. Go work with it. Okay. Right, crazily. I, I, I got you. I got you. Omnipotent, omnipotent city. Uh, what do you think of that detour? Omnipotent city was a very nice detour. I wish I saw more cameos. Um, I was actually upset that there was only one. Um, it was a good one. Don't get me wrong. Um, and my favorite fun fact about that that I read was that he made uh, Russell Crowe do it in both a Greek and a British accent because Taika Waititi thought a British accent would be better, but Russell Crowe insisted on Greek. Now, for some reason, somebody let Russell Crowe make an acting decision on his own, um, and it actually paid off in his favor, so that would be a first. Uh, but I thought Russell Crowe redeemed himself for uh, you know playing Javert. Um, that, that movie was, uh, enough for me to forget that Les Miserables ever happened. So good job, Russell Crowe. Yeah. I I feel like in some of the coverage I've consumed, that part of the movie was a little divisive, but like, I really laughed at Russell Crowe a lot. I just, I, it's, he's, he's typically, I mean, he's really funny in the nice guys. If you've never seen that movie, if you haven't seen nice guys, you need to watch it, Maya. I promise you. I have, I have. Okay. Yeah. He's hilarious in that. And I feel like aside from that though, I can't really think of anything else where he's actually that fun in. He's, he kind of has a reputation. He was as like delightful. A, he was absolutely delightful. And, and, wait, and, 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 and nice and nice guys are Love and Thunder. 
in Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, That's what I'm saying. It's like, but it's like, in general, he's known as like a pretty serious, intense dude. So it's just kind of cool that he was willing to come there and be as and be as goofy as he was. It's, I, I really, I really appreciated that. The fact that the goofy part of it was his idea is what gets me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that gaining all that was definitely his idea. I mean, come on, he's a Greek god, you might as well make him Greek. I loved it. It was, it was like, chef's kiss. It was perfect. Well, and then in him, like, uh, just like the first time he comes off the altar and he's like, uh, like holding up his, uh, skirt or whatever you want to call the, uh, whatever the, outfit the little the skirt that he was wearing was great. And he just yeah. flounces around. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, but I will tell you that's one of those parts where I'm like, did they have a budget issue that they couldn't afford other cameos there? Because if you have Zeus, you can have, you know, actually there was apparently Dionysus was there. He didn't really do much. You can actually cast Dionysus, you can, you, I mean, you already have Athena. She already exists in the MCU. You can do Ares. You can do, I mean, the, there's a bunch of different people that you can be adding here um, that are really famous actors. I mean, I just, I, I, I wish that they would have done that. That being said, can I mention it now? Can I talk about it now? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's, a, that's the other thing I was going to say was that like, you're saying they could have had more cameos and they, they do technically have a cameo. Do you think it's worth the surprise of having something like, uh, Brett Gold seen as Hercules? Do you think that's the kind of thing you, you, that it's better to save for a post-credit scene? Or like, do you think you may as well just like break them out and, uh, make that part of the movie an omnipotent city more substantial? Well, I think that having, you know, Brett Goldstein as Hercules just, as, as a whole was worth its own after credit scene. I just think that the buildup would have been a lot more if the movie itself were stronger and that movie would be stronger with additional cameos and additional people added to Omnipotent City. That being said, Roy Kent, are you <laughs> kidding me? The fact that I, that was not spoiled for me, by the way, I was really happy about because I had a genuinely like positive reaction to that. And, and Dustin and I were just sort of like whispering, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Like we just start whispering. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you tried to get me to tell you too. Like, and I, I think I, I was, I was. You're just like you're like any final twist or character. I'm reading your, reading your text now. You're like any final act twist or characters <laughs> or after or, or after credit Kangs. I feel like Kangs in there somewhere. And 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 then you're like Galactus question mark. You were just trying to get me to tell you, and I was. Like, I wasn't no. wrong about Galactus though. I wasn't hundred percent right, but there were Celestials there. I wasn't hundred percent right. Wrong. But I, I, the way I put it was no no one that important, but more the kind of casting surprise that came up at the end of Eternals, but not someone as famous as Harry Styles. Do you think that was a fair? I guess that you That's probably would agree. Very with my very taste. fair statement. And that I, was and, but, but but it sounds like you probably like still like it exceeded your expectations whereas i kind of tried to temper them you know it's, so. it's not the fact that there was a cameo it was who they cast mm-hmm. it was everything about who they so cast. specifically him as hercules like, specifically it's a, like him as hercules yeah. was was just so purely good that i i'm so grateful like thank you world for um not spoiling this for me um because i am a huge fan of his (laughs) and i I mean i know i i I under i I know your taste in like movies and tv pretty well but i don't know if i've ever talked with you about ted lasso i was just kind of banking on the fact that you had watched ted lasso but i didn't want to say have you watched ted lasso Lasso. right so it's like i didn't want to be like hey have you watched ted lasso anytime close to when we had been talking about thor because then it's like that probably would have given something away um, cause like what well, your options are kind of limited if it's someone from Ted Lasso showing up, you know, Josh, so. I'm not going to lie to you. 
even if we were talking about it after you had seen it, there's no way that I would have made that connection. There's really? no way in hell that I would have ever made that connection. They would have cast anybody in that movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was such a shock for me. Like the worlds <laughs> collided that I, I mean, like I had such a pure reaction. Like I wish I filmed it because I was just shocked because like mama how, how crowded, it. how crowded was your theater i mean because you're i mean you there was like 15 people there it was it was very not crowded could, but could, i could 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 you tell if anyone else that stuck around actually like knew who he was like and had a sim, like a fun reaction were the only people laughing in the theater first of all wow. so like it wasn't really that engaging of a theater but there was um there were two after credit scenes for the first one they stayed for the second one there was six of us so most of the people had left the theater so for the Valhalla post-credit scene, I saw someone say that they that uh, as opposed to like bringing back Heimdall and uh, Natalie Portman when it's like Idris Elba and Natalie Portman probably don't need probably aren't going to be coming back. Heimdall, like I mean, I get it. You, if if you get Idris to come back, you get Idris to come back. But maybe you should maybe you could have had Jane there, but had had her be greeted by Siv's arm. Because <laughs> like, like, like they make waving. <laughs> right, they made the, they made the joke about her. Thor makes a joke about her arm getting into Valhalla because she didn't die in battle, but her arm apparently did. Like that might have been better than just like having her and Heimdall hang out. You know, that would have been kind of funny. But um, it still it brings me back to the fact that I'm angry and I'm also not because like at least she's in Valhalla with him and she died a hero's like death in battle, which was very sweet. And like the more I think about it, the more that like that makes me very emotional. But at the same time, fuck you for killing her. I'm just I'm very upset. Not as sad about it as, as you are. It's like, I just kind of assume like Natalie Portman has so much other stuff going on. I never, never really, I never really made, I never I really thought for a second. I love Natalie Portman though. I love her. She's so good in everything she does. Everything. Right. So she can go off and like win Oscars instead of like, you know, just get stuck in the Marvel world. Like she's going to no, do that. Let her get paid. Yeah, I, I guess. But like, you know, I mean, uh, if, if, if she's made a lot of money, you know? So I think if, if, if she doesn't feel like making superhero movies, then like, you know, more power to her. If she can get stuff like, uh, if she can get stuff like, I don't know, Jackie and Black Swan made or whatever, you know? Um, true. Anything else we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to touch on? Any feelings about, uh, I don't know, uh, Matt Damon and coming back, Melissa McCarthy, uh, got a lot of stuff like that. I do have a plea. I do. My plea is that um, this continues to be an over um, an overarching theme of um, every single Thor movie and that they have to play within the play. Um, and I really, really hope that in the next one that Kenneth Branagh directs it again, or at the very least he's there somewhere and they make it like a Shakespearean play. That is my only request. If they can humbly accommodate my request, I'd be very, very grateful. Interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, oh, you mean like, I, I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know if they need to bring Kenneth Branagh back to, uh, to like. He is the world's greatest Shakespearean actor and director. He's just, greater. he's perfect. I, I mean, I guess, I mean, well, Sam, so Sam Neill has a working relationship, obviously, with Taika, so it makes sense to have him there. But yeah, you could even have him just like act in something like that if they want to do it. I, I, I like that. Like Matt Damon is just like uh, busy. I actually think he lives in Australia part of the time though, and that's where they filmed it. So maybe it's not the hardest thing for him to show up. But it's kind of funny where he's like, "Can I, can I make art out of, uh, out of like uh, traumatized kids?" Like that, that, that was like his one thing there besides being on the stage. And then he's just gone. It, I, it's, it's, it's funny that like when he's like people like him are like willing to show up to just do something like that. Um, oh, I and I, I love it, but I, I'm really serious that they need to cast Kenneth Branagh in the movie as the director, like the unseen director. It would be just perfect. 
Thank you. Thank you for whoever is listening to this request who works for Marvel. I appreciate it. All right. I'm, I'm checking my notes one more time, but I think, uh, I think that's basically about it. I, uh, you know, we got what uh, is it Black Panther's the next one, Maya? Um, or, or Wakanda Forever. So it's kind of funny that like we still have that. And I think there might be one more MCU thing coming after that before the end of the year. Well, and it's a like, holiday special also. Right, right, right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think we're, at least for now, we're saying we're saying goodbye for at least a uh, for for at least a little bit, and then we'll uh, and then we'll and then we'll be back with uh, more MCU stuff later in the year. Is there uh, anything else you've been watching recently that you wanted to touch on, though? Yes, Banshee. So if you're a fan of the mm. boys mm. And, and you have been watching it like I have been watching it, and the last season was one of the you know greatest things of television you've ever seen, uh, then know that Anthony Starr uh, was robbed this year at the Emmys, and he should have been nominated. Um, so with that in mind, um, actually, no, maybe they missed the cutoff. I don't know. In any case, Anthony Starr needs to get nominated, um, maybe next year. But his... Best role, obviously, is Homelander, but his role that made him famous was a show called Banshee, which is available on HBO Max. It is really gory, really brutal, slightly weird, slightly racist, but I still recommend it because it's just like a very engaging show, and that's all I have to say about it. So it's on HBO Max? Um, on I, think HBO was, I, think, I think it originally aired on Cinemax, so that's why I was unsure. But you know, they, they got it the was same. on Cinemax, and I think that's why it's a little bit like deranged in some respects. But it's actually a pretty solidly written TV show. Strong characters, very strong violence. I mean, like, and also, do not have your young children around watching it because there are a lot of sexual scenes in there. But that being said, that show is really good. To answer your question, The Boys season three premiered on June third. The Emmy cutoff was May, so it basically they it appeared right after the eligibility deadline. So it it would if it's if it's not nominated for next year's Emmy, that's when you riot for. Then uh, I will rage. I will rage because he deserves it. No, I don't think anybody else necessarily deserves an acting award. Maybe Jensen Ackles. I'm not sure, but Anthony Starr needs an Emmy. He's just long overdue. God, that, that's one of like the most vile characters on television. And so you really do deserve a lot of credit for just like, he, he deserves a lot of credit for making Homelander as despicable as he is, but also just like leaning into it in the way they do. I mean, that's why I, I think season, I, I think you can make an argument season three, the boys is the best one so far. It's like, they haven't shied away from like some really, really like uncomfortable, dark places. But at the same time, it's not like, I, it's not like one of those things where I feel the need to like watch through my fingers or something covering my eyes as I watch. Like it's still very watchable though. It's like they went to some really, really, really like uncomfortable places. And I don't just mean like the, like the hero gasm stuff, just like, you know, like they, they made it really, really like dark with the choices they made and like the chilling, uh, let's just for lack of a better term without giving things away, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the fifth Avenue Homelander scene. Uh, if you want to put it that way towards the end like it's like all right we're gonna keep going to places and keep pushing it and i really respect it so i would i will tell you that what i really loved about the boys is that they they don't shy away from pushing the envelope and and herogasm is a masterpiece of an episode um there's not one moment of that show that i felt like i had to like exactly as you said like cover my eyes um banshee is not that show um there are many moments where i just am shutting my eyes i'm like no thank you no thank you no thank you like just i just it is very very brutal um so another thing that if, if anybody watches the boys they know anthony Starr acts with his eyes and his facial you know like 
reactions very very strongly and that's actually a huge reason why like just a wrong glare from him sends shivers down my spine in both good and bad ways now multiply that and that is banshee multiply it like he for some reason like that is it's his best like eye acting work that he's done very much agree if they, i it would be really really disappointing if like he didn't get recognized for his incredible work uh i don't have a lot else to recommend myself i don't think i recommended the bear when i watched it last week but the bear is really good a lot of people are talking about it yeah uh, we've, we've been sitting in a day yeah i mean uh very very intense stuff but you know very very charming at other points too great performances Again, I'm sorry if I already recommended it, but it's been a long couple of weeks at work and it's been over a week since the last thing I recorded, but like I, I had not finished it at that point if I had started it the last time I did record a podcast. So if I already tried to pitch it once, I can say I've now completed it and it is very, very good and uh, just well worth your time. Only eight episodes on Hulu, like Maya said, you can knock it out in an afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, we're going to have episodes on uh, where the crawdads sing and... Uh, the gray man and uh just it's 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 a lot of stuff coming out at the beginning of august but those are those are i guess probably like the the next two on the calendar uh and uh and and on nope so all those at some in some order in the next week or two so uh thanks to everyone for listening thanks to maya for joining i I misspoke maya there's only wakanda forever coming in november then nothing else until uh february when ant-man the wasp quantum media comes out so uh i'm sure maya will be back for something other than wakanda forever before february so uh thanks to maya for joining as always thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time